sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. This is Sportsgrid. Rolling along on the early line back with you on this Tuesday morning, Keith Irizarry and Kevin Walsh. And we're switching gears now over to the NBA. And uh, Kev, you texted me this. I, I admit you got it before me that you know Durant and Kyle were resting. And I tell you, you you were on these airwaves what yesterday afternoon, uh, later in the mm-hmm. evening. You gave you gave it out. You said Karis Levert what over seven and a half assists in the game. You mm-hmm. liked it. Uh, we'll, we'll start there first. We'll start the positive things before we uh, move into the negative for Brooklyn. Karis Levert. He, we, we said it yesterday. He could be six man of the year. He, he's a player. I think the big thing with that uh, Karis Levert assist prop is just kind of. For a lot of times when you have your lone superstar out there, Keith, we think, oh, they're going to have to score every basket. Well, they might, but they're going to have to be efficient. You know, Levert just got over his points prop, and he needed overtime to do it, and he was wildly inefficient. But these guys have such a high usage that they have to create for others as well. That's why Harden had 17 assists in his debut. That's why Steph, in that opener against Brooklyn, and despite nobody seeming like they hit a shot, still had 10 assists. So Karis Levert's number that checked in at 7.5. And, and the thing was, Keith, we had a, a kind of a, a something to work off of, which was the series against the Raptors and a couple of other bubble games before that, a seven-game window where he averaged almost 10 assists per game in this same exact role. So I, I would continue to look at that Levert assist props on nights where he's going to be out there by himself because... Keith, it looks like that might not be the most or, or the rarest occurrence. Yeah, and I think that that's smart. When like, I think what we do here too is try to give you guys advice on how to pay attention, right? So we look at a season and we go, "Well, there's no data, right? There's no data. There, it, it's only been three games. How do we figure out whether Carousel can really get seven and a half? What you do is exactly what you did. You could look back to the bubble and you could say, "All right, so when Kyrie and Durant aren't there." We saw what this is, and we saw what Levert can be and will be yeah. going forward. So that's why you can kind of put that together. You and I both feel so horrible. Like you, you literally wrote to me. Like, I, I think you wrote gutted or so sad, whatever mm-hmm. it was, about Spencer Dinwiddie, because Dinwiddie is just one of those dudes that I, I think is just very easy to root for not a lot of people had a lot of fanfare for him i don't think a lot of people thought that this was going to be a, a real bona fide nba player that could be part of a rotation on a, on a team that has designs on winning a championship and dinwiddie looked like he was poised for that and now the partial tear luckily there's a chance he could come back this year but it, it's right. not looking good and it's definitely a sad situation for dinwiddie 
No, it, it's super unfortunate because this is a guy that has been a big piece of this Brooklyn Nets roster, and I think he was a you know seemingly a decent part of the recruitment of both KD and Kyrie. And this is the year where he's supposed to go out there and compete for a championship, and that opportunity might not materialize. I do want to make the point: the next Brooklyn Nets game is very important for that sixth man of the year market that you had talked about, because if Levert checks into the starting lineup for Spencer Dinwiddie. He's out of the running then for that award. If he stays on the bench, you got to bet him right away. His odds should go up immediately. As we continue breaking down the NBA, welcome in our radio audiences to the early line. I am Keith Arizari. He is Kevin Walsh and Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving both took the night off, something that, you know what, we may see a few times this season, maybe more uh, more than a few times. And we were just talking about little Karis LeVert there as well. As we continue looking at what happened yesterday, let's go to one of the late games, the Lakers and the Blazers. Portland ends up winning this game. Once again, Dame Lillard looked awesome. CJ McCollum looked awesome. Anthony Davis did not. LeBron James was really good. This was a weird game to watch, and for gamblers like you and I, uh, who who looked at that second half and go, "All right, I'm getting in now." I'm like, it was double dutch, right? Like, when do I get in? When do I get in? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good call, and that's what that's what it looked like. Me just refreshing now. Nope, nope, nope. Wait, they're not playing well. Is LeBron coming back in? Up, oh, he's back in. Or it's now up. Oh, I missed the number. Here's the deal. I am trying to not find a way to bet on the Lakers every single time that they lose. So far, uh, I've bet on them twice uh, in terms of a spread. I left the Timberwolves game alone, busy with Sunday night football. The Mavs game just had the over. I waited so long, Keith. They were on an 8-0 run, up by one, laying two and a half. I assumed the Montrezl Harrell made free throw after an N1 that left the timeout. They had all of the momentum in the world at home. The better team, LeBron, AD, everybody's out there. And it just didn't matter. The Blazers proceeded then to go on a 10-2 run. The Lakers' defense was just non-existent down the stretch. The offense was out of sync. Anthony Davis, what a horrendous performance in this basketball game. But what made this even more troubling, Keith, is the entire Lakers starting five was a plus in their plus-minus You know, the Blazers won this game by 8. Damian Lillard was minus 10. The Lakers' depth might be their calling card this season. This game right here is one, though, that Frank Vogel cannot be happy about. There is no excuse for them to get this level of production out of the starting lineup and lose a home game by 8 points to the Portland Trailblazers. This is the part of the season, though, for Vogel. You're you're coming off an NBA championship. We we all always talk about the the championship hangover, maybe a little bit, trying to immerse some new names into this lineup, guys that are going to be legit players for this team. Vogel right now, uh, just tinkering with this lineup a little bit. Continue recapping last night and start looking forward to tonight and some award season. Let's do it. Why not? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yes, sir. We are back here on the early line. Keith and Kevin with you. Just saw a stat. I know we're doing NFL or NBA right now, but just saw a stat. Dwayne Haskins, the only QB to ever be released 
by his team before the end of his second season that was a first-round selection. That's a crazy stat. I, that, like, shocking to me that he's the first guy to do that. It's sad, honestly. Yeah, well, I yeah, really yeah. thought this... I, I I really thought that this guy would would be solid. I, I did. I like, He broke Drew Brees' touchdown record up for the Big Ten, and he took 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. I didn't think that was insignificant, and... It's just never worked. He's not found his footing in Washington. And I tell you, Keith, I, I don't know if this guy finds another spot in the NFL. I really don't. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, did a bunch of NFL in hour one. Let's continue rolling along uh, with the NBA. So we're basically a week into the season, week and a half into the season. We've seen you know, a, a little bit here. Why not? Let, let's talk about some some odds and, and opportunities for you guys maybe to make some money uh, as you do some future bets. Defensive player of the year. Where do, where do you see some value in defensive player of the year, Kevin? So I think this market is fascinating. Your, your favorite is Anthony Davis, who checked in second last year in this award. Rudy Gobert uh, and Giannis not far behind, who I believe have won uh, the last three awards between those two guys. I think there's going to be Giannis fatigue this year with the award. I'm not sure Rudy's going to win it. And is AD at plus 240 really value? As I look at this board, Miles Turner at 33 to 1 jumps out, Keith. I, I mean, yeah, it looks like you're seeing it the same way. Yeah. This guy it has eight blocks, four blocks, five blocks in his first three games of the season, averaging 5.7 per game. If this guy averages four blocks per game, he'll be the first to do it since Dikembe Mutombo, who won this award four times. I think he's a great value. I, I said the exact same thing on MSG on, on Saturday. Listen, do you know that Miles Turner averages 2.1 blocks per game for his career? That's only 0.1 block less than Rudy Gobert for his career. Plus 3,300. I think that number is awesome. I mean, I think there's some value with, with Ben Simmons. I, I don't know if Joel Embiid can stay engaged for an entire season to really be on mm. this list. I know there are a lot of you know Philly apologists out there that want to say that Embiid will and that he can be that dude. Draymond won't be there. Porzingis won't be there. But Miles Turner, plus 3,300, sounds like it just, why not? Throw the money there, and, and that could really be some good odds for you. A lot of Miami apologists also telling me Bam Adebayo is, is not only going to be you know a top 15 player in the NBA, he can win a Defensive Player of the Year award as well. Yeah, I maybe. I just don't know if the metrics are going to be on on Bam sides. Like from defensive player of the year award, it's hard because he is he going to have the blocks per game. He's a great player. He's a great player both ways. Honestly, his offensive game has continued to impress. But am I getting the value at plus nine fifty that I feel like I'm getting on Miles Turner? And I guess that's kind of the, the thing, Keith. If those guys were booked at the same price. It'd be a different conversation for me. I got Miles Turner at the same odds as Kawhi Leonard. I will book every Kawhi Leonard Defensive Player of the Year award bet you want. I promise you this guy has a 0% chance to win that award. He is entirely there based on name value alone. He won't play enough. He doesn't play defense enough to win that award. That's the number that I'm getting Miles Turner at. I just think that's what it comes down to a lot of times in the awards market, Heath. You're looking to beat the number. Can Adebayo win this? Sure, but is plus 950 the number I would get to, to make that happen? No. 
All right, Kevin, let's go to Sixth Man of the Year award because this one's intriguing. In the previous segment, we brought up the name Karis LeVert, and there are reasons why he could not win this or win this. Uh, when we look at these numbers, LeVert at plus 850 clearly intrigues us. Lou Williams has won this award a lot at, at plus 1,200. Where's your value? So I think that this is a situation where the top four are – Clearly the top four. Terrence Ross has been great for Orlando to start the season. And if they make the playoffs, somebody somewhere is going to get a lot of credit. Maybe it could be Terrence Ross. Jordan Clarkson at plus 440 makes sense. He's been good for Utah here. But there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, right? Between Mitchell and Conley and Bogdanovich, I'm not sure if Clarkson should be that much of a favorite relative to everybody else. But the two guys at plus 850 stand out a ton. Now, I'm telling you, if Karis LeVert is not in the starting lineup to replace Spencer Dinwiddie, the next time the Nets send out Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you make that bet. Because he's going to be able to boost up his numbers in the games that they are absent. Without Dinwiddie, his usage is going to go up. And he's going to be coming off of the bench. It's great. And Gordon Jogic makes some sense as well uh, because he was awesome for that team against the Pelicans on Christmas Day. And the fact that they've decided to go to hero and starting lineup is going to allow Jogic to really take advantage of second units. I think the two guys checking in at plus 850 uh, are the spots where I would find the value. Yeah, we're the same on this one. I like the idea of Dragic as well, just because I think that Miami team is clearly going to be a you know top four, top five team in the East, uh, and they're going to need his punch off the bench. The Levert situation is something we'll at least monitor. I think that intrigues me. Uh, as we continue rolling, listen, I love that Alec Burks is averaging 20 points off the bench mm-hmm. and, and and doing his thing for the Knicks. But, like, are we really going to believe that that's going to happen the whole year? And, oh, by the way, if it does, Burks will end up as a starter on this team. Like, if suddenly he's averaging 20 points per game and he's that dude – Uh, He will end up being a starter. NBA MVP. You said it to me. There could be some value in LeBron James, meaning the fact that this is a guy that uh, you watched last night and go, okay, so maybe he could win an MVP. Plus 1,300, you like that or no? I do. So, Keith, let me me try a little questionnaire out here for you. Who's the best player in the NBA? LeBron James. Okay, so right away, I have the best player in the NBA at the sixth best odds. So that's just instantly some value. But why do people not think he can win this award? Tell me if I'm off base here, Keith. It's because he's not going to play enough, right? That's why, year 18, going to slow it up? Well, the guy in front of him, who I think actually could have a fair shot as well, he sat out his first back-to-back. LeBron played 36 minutes and had a 39-6 and game against the Blazers. Now, he didn't win, but LeBron just said to me that I'm playing, and here's why. I think this is his last chance to win this award, to get his fifth MVP, third with three franchises. I think year 19, reset the deck again, Giannis fatigue is gone, Doncic entering year four. I think it's going to be hard for LeBron to climb that ladder after this year. But I think Doncic is going to struggle because of the fact that people are expecting him to win MVP. I think Giannis has zero chance. If they give this guy this award for a third time in a row, I'm going to be furious because they refuse to give it to LeBron for a third time in a row. So it better not be Giannis. Steph might not make the playoffs. 
No Anthony Davis because a LeBron teammate is not winning it over LeBron until further notice. And KD's sitting out back-to-backs. I just eliminated everybody sitting in front of him, Keith. Am I off base here? No, you're not. And and I think that when we look at these numbers, too, like I love Luka as a player. I also find maybe I'm a little worried that he could be an injury guy. Like it seems like every other game he's rolling ankles, doing something. And he still puts up good numbers, but I wonder about him. Giannis, you're right. There's going to be, just like with every other MVP and every other star, there becomes some sort of fatigue. There'll be fatigue there. And you got to wonder, if LeBron puts up numbers like he did last year, it's now been a handful of years since he won an MVP. There is no more fatigue. And you don't want to call it a lifetime achievement award, but voters may go. Like you said, this is the last chance. This is you know one of the two or three greatest players we've ever seen. Let's give him the award because he does deserve it and because he's so deserving for his career. And they very well could. I know they're off to a two and two start. So are the Nets. The Bucks are under 500. They could have the best record in the NBA. Best player in the world on the best team in the league is usually a pretty good recipe to win MVP. 13 to 1. That feels like the value on the board to me. I like it. You mean, you mean the undefeated Orlando Magic are not the best team in the NBA? I'm so confused. I need to go figure this out. The early line, Keith and Kevin. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Keith and Kevin with you on the early line. And Kev, I am all fired up. We we did some college football, right? And I think the bowl games are going to be fun today. Talked a boatload of NFL today and obviously storylines that will continue to break down throughout the week. But the NBA, I, I think, is at the, the the forefront tonight. Yes, the bowl games matter and, and they're fun and, and, and we'll we'll put some money down and we'll have some fun with that too. But you got Bucks Heat, Raptors Sixers, Celtics and Pacers. You're talking about the creme de la creme of the Eastern Conference. Bucks and Heat, let's start there. Milwaukee at two and two, struggling a little bit. Miami's been a little bit up and down as well what are some of the key components of this game well i feel like this is so when the clippers played the nuggets on christmas right it was kind of the get the monkey off your back and all of the you know nights i'm sure that they've had about that series for the bucks i wonder if they view miami similarly now this number here of minus five in miami says either the book is completely unafraid of this slow start from Milwaukee, or they're sure that Jimmy Butler's ankle isn't right and might not be available for the Miami Heat. All in all, I think this is a spot similar, Keith, to what we talked about the other day when you and I were talking, the Nets were laying six and a half, closed as two and a half point dogs. You're going to want to wait for your starting lineups here to make sure everything is checked out and you know who's going and who's not. What I will say is this total of 222 and a half Feels a little light to me. To start this year, Milwaukee, 3-0 and to the over. Defense doesn't look the same. They gave up 130 to the Knicks. That's going to be something we remember the entire year, I think. After every bad Milwaukee defensive performance, they gave up 130 to the Knicks. 
And I look at this spot right now where 222.5 might just be a little light. I'm with you as well. I think the the over feels like the play here. But again, uh, that that's the tough part about trying to handicap this at 8:27 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. Uh, you know, like we we are projecting forward and we can make assumptions as to who's going to actually play or not. I mean, listen, yesterday we could have made assumptions about the Brooklyn Nets and not knowing that Durant and Kyrie were out, and then everyone would have taken us to the woodshed. Oh, why would you tell us this and that and the other thing? Well, you know, yeah. be intelligent out there and make sure you're paying attention to who's mm-hmm. actually out there and well Celtics and the Pacers we were just talking in the previous segment both of us feel really good about Miles Turner and what he's doing defensively Demonte Sabonis has been a dynamo he is following up an all-star season looking like he's going to be an all-star again and the Boston Celtics have had some really bright lights this season and I think Jason Tatum maybe doesn't get enough love from mainstream sports fans you know, that's interesting. And so maybe I'm part of the issue here. I feel like that Tatum shot has saved Boston from getting a lot of ridicule to start this year. They're 1-2. and two. They should be 0-3. And, and Jason Tatum, while putting up good numbers, very inefficient to start this season. Jason Tatum is a heck of a player. And when you talk about, you know, Guys to start a franchise with over the next 10 years. He is very, very high up the board. But I don't think this has been an incredible start to the year for him. You know, Jalen Brown through three games is actually the one who's leading this team in scoring at 26 per game on 51.5% shooting. And I just, I didn't love Boston coming into the year early because the Kemba absence and they didn't replace Gordon Hayward at all. And I don't know how effective Tristan Thompson is going to be. He looks all right, but is he a world beater at the center position? Offensively, certainly not. And the Pacers are a team that are 3-0, and and that doesn't feel fluky to me, Keith. I don't know what it does to you, but they were the fourth seed in the East Lab. They missed Oladipo a bunch. Sabonis is a real all-star. Brogdon was a great addition. TJ Warren got better. You and I are looking to get Miles Turner a Defensive Player of the Year award. That's the starting five. I don't got a bad word to say about it. I don't know if the Pacers are going to be able to beat this team twice in three days, but I don't know if Boston should really be the favorites. I like the Pacers, actually, in this one. I'm with you with the with the starting five. And I think that there's something to be said with Boston not having Kemba Walker and, and, and needing that. I mean, leaning too much on, like, Marcus Smart is a really – solid player. I don't think that he can be your point guard. I'll I'll push back a little bit on Tatum. And I think that some of the efficiency issues right now for Tatum is, is about him trying to be that complete player, right? Like if you look around in the NBA, the best bigger forwards are guys that like the LeBrons of the world, even the Giannis's of the world, the guys that are willing to dribble the ball up. We heard, you know, the Clippers thinking about trying to run some sort of triangle with Kawhi Leonard and whether it's Kawhi and Paul Druitt sometimes triggering that offense. I, I get the feeling in watching the, the first couple of games for the Celtics that Jason Tatum is pushing a little bit, trying to be that type of player. I'm not sure that he's that player, but talent-wise, I love Jason Tatum. And you know me, I, I'm from New York. I'm not supposed to like anything Boston, right? Like it's in our hmm. DNA. Like we're supposed to root against, for, uh, root against Boston. Uh, there are a lot of likable players on this Celtics team. And I know that doesn't help you from from a gambling standpoint, but I think Tatum's going to turn things around, become more efficient. I think he needs to be more of the like 
volume scorer and get like he needs to be that 25 26 point scorer not worry about the seven rebounds and seven assists port like i don't think he needs to be that grant hill if we want to turn back the clock grant hill mm. guy from the his first seven years of his career i think he really needs to be the volume scorer and then let everyone else kind of fall into place it's so man it's, it's so interesting because to me without kemba who is supposed to create for others? Because you, it's not Marcus Smart. Dice can't create a shot for himself. Thompson certainly can't. It leads to then a lot of Tatum Brown ISO ball. And Tatum can pass the rock a little bit. It's it's just gonna be in your pick and roll possessions. But that's again, like that's why I find myself a bit lower on Boston to start the year. Because if this is all just self-creation, it becomes a little bit harder then to you know, get it done night in and night out. And I think there is a lot on Jason Tatum's plate. I'm not trying to say that this guy isn't one of, you know, the top, let's call it 25 players to be conservative, and he's probably, you know, further up that list. He certainly lands in that threshold. But I think the leap for Boston comes with Jason Tatum securing an undeniable spot somewhere in the top 15 players in this league because i think there's some out there keith that believe he's top 10 and i don't think he's gotten to that point yet in in his career no he is not top 10 but i think it, i'll even further i think he needs to be top 10 or 12 for this team to to be a viable championship contender i i'm not so sure yes. what we're going to get with kemba when kemba's back and and jalen brown i think is the perfect you know, Batman, Robin to a Batman. I think the Tatum mm. needs to be Batman. And if you're Batman, I think you need to be between uh, top 10 and top 12. The other Eastern Conference tilt tonight, you got the Raptors and the Sixers. So much history between these two teams. Some of the names are the same. Some have changed. Uh, you look at this one and Sixers, two-point favorites. Total seems seems kind of low at 218 and a half, although both of these teams can play defense. I think that total seems kind of low. Yeah, there's something about those Eastern Conference matchups between elite squads where I just kind of like playing overs because I think they're always so low, but the teams are still capable offensively. Like, I think the Celtics uh, and Pacers game can get over their total tonight here. I'm drawn to the Sixers laying the two. I know that they lost to the Cavs, but that was without Embiid. The deal is I got a 2-1 Philly team with games at home against Washington, at the Knicks, and at the Cavs. Not very impressive. And I got an 0-2 Toronto team hosting New Orleans and at San Antonio. That's certainly not impressive. I Toronto, I guess Toronto and Boston, Keith, were the early East teams that I felt lower on. Didn't love the offseason. Toronto loses both of their starting bigs. Does Siakam look the same to you? Was this, like... You don't. I don't want to try and be overreactionary. Like the NBA is is that. I love the NBA so much. I never want to try and give people hot takes for the sake of hot takes. So I'm not doing that here. But is there a world that Pascal Siakam was a flash in the pan? The the end of the, his bubble run was a disaster, and it's not been good to start the year. And I feel like the Raptors need him to be their best player if they're really going to be able to stay competitive here in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yet, yet another thing that we agree upon. I wonder if Siakam can be the best player on a team that has championship uh, aspirations. He was really good during the regular season last year, and there there were signs that he could be a star. And 
everything about his his makeup, like the way you just look at him, you go, okay, he fits the mold of what mm-hmm. the NBA is. Kyle Lowry looks old right now, and and no offense to him, but he looks old. He started looking old last year as well. Fred Van Vliet, let's see if he's worth the money. I hope that he is. I like Fred Van Vliet. I, I love the story of him, the draft night party that he had. Like, I love all of that about that team. OJ Ananobi, uh, can he take a step forward and be a real viable fourth on that team? Uh, my answer to a lot of that, unfortunately, is no. Now, on the Sixer side, I actually like their offseason. I thought adding mm-hmm. Seth Curry, finally getting someone that could shoot is good. Danny Green is a shell of himself, but he can still hit a jump shot unless it's in game five uh, of the NBA Finals. Uh, but I think he helps that team. But it's clear. like The Sixers will go where Embiid and Simmons takes them. Yeah, Danny Green, I tell you, man. <laughs> this guy this guy wore me out last year with Lakers. Glad he's in a different uniform. And that's what I'll say about that. I The thing is, is I... I do have you'll and you'll see this, Keith, as you and I work together. The Sixers are kind of a soft spot for me. I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan, and I want this team to do well. I don't know if it's part of the Eagles fandom. I just added the Sixers to the mix here, and to start the season, I still just can't believe that Ben won't shoot a three. I know we can make him. It's ridiculous. It's so unacceptable that he refuses to shoot him. It's so unacceptable. Unacceptable. Frustrating. Shoot the shot, man. More next. The early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rolling along here on the early line. It is Keith Irizarry and Kevin Walsh with you on a Tuesday morning. I guess we'll call it a holiday week. New Year's Eve is right around the corner. We got bowl games tonight. Uh, We have the NFL wrapping up week 16 fantasy football championships in the books. And the NBA is on center stage. Uh, We got 10 games tonight already broke down three of them in the Eastern Conference. So it's bounce around from game to game here. Nuggets and Kings. Nikola Jokic is going to try to average a triple-double this year. Hmm. He has been absolutely lights out in every facet of the game, uh, as we have seen through the you know first handful of games this year. And the Sacramento Kings have kind of just been fun. I, I call them an NBA League Pass team, and that's what they are. Yeah, the thing is, this is a rematch from this opener. A game that I think Denver is probably losing sleep over. Double overtime, no business losing this game. Multiple times, they just handed it over to the Sacramento Kings. I'm sure there is revenge on the mind here. I wonder if the two-and-a-half number is a little bit of value and might be a little bit light. I will say two things, just with Jokic. First of all, when we were talking about MVP, he's the other guy that I would throw out there because – Maybe he will. I don't know if he's going to average a triple-double, but if he does, it's his award. And he's had a triple-double in two of the first three. He was a rebound shy of making it three for three. His points, rebounds, assists prop the other night was 40 and a half. He's averaging 
50 total points plus rebounds plus assists. So I would continue to look at that market. And as far as the Denver Nuggets go, they're playing at a very high pace. They scored 124 points against the Rockets, and they didn't play really much in that fourth quarter. I think that this is a game that it ended up going over last time. Obviously, the overtime frame had something to do with it. But I'm going to just roll with Denver here, Keith, and I'm going to trust Jokic to keep playing MVP kind of basketball. I'm with you on all those fronts. This points, uh, rebounds, assists prop that we'll we'll get each and every night for Jokic, it feels very similar to year one of Westbrook when he was averaging the triple double that year. Mm-hmm. Where you know, the, everyone wanted to. I, I, I can remember I was I was hosting at NBC Sports Radio with a very well respected NBA person who kept telling me I'm an idiot uh, for hmm. thinking that Westbrook. Average a triple double for the season, and I, there was just something about the way he was attacking the game that year. It felt realistic. And again, I don't know yeah. if Jokic averaged a triple double for the year. He doesn't have the same maybe mind frame of Westbrook, and I think that he cares more about winning per se than getting those extra rebounds or assists. With that all being said, I, until the books catch up, I think you can continue to cash in on on Jokic there with his uh, points, rebounds, and his assists. Pelicans and Suns is yet another game that kind of intrigued me because Phoenix hasn't hit their stride yet, and I think they're going to be a really good team this year. I don't know if they're going to be a great team this year. And the Pelicans were last year's you know NBA League pass team. This is a game that just on the surface is watchable. Where do you see some value? So I, I agree with you. This is a game that I see, and I, I think, oh, this is a lot of fun here. Keith, you see this total at 222.5. Is your gut reaction not, oh, it's got to be points? Zion, Booker. But here's the deal. I got six games played between these two squads here, right? Pelicans have played three games. Suns have played three games. That's six unders. They've, they've, played, <laughs> they've only played in the under, these teams. And that does not make me happy. I want these teams to score more. But I'm... A real fool if I bet the over in a game between two teams that maybe have changed their identity over this offseason. Alvin Gentry out, Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe in, Zion maybe a little bit more comfortable on the defensive side of the ball. For Phoenix, obviously Chris Paul a big addition here. I don't love it. I'm not happy about it. I think I'd rather lose the bet than win it maybe. But I think the under's the play. Well, the reason why you don't love it, and we're sports fans, is, is sports fans, is the under is boring, right? Like we don't want to yeah. root under. You, you, I mean, unless you're actually, unless that was your wager, we don't want to root for the under. Mm-hmm. No one really wants the the Knicks and Miami Heat of the late '90s to come back. Although we we enjoyed watching it if you were a Knicks fan or a Heat fan. But no one really wants that to come back. All right, how about we go to the Timberwolves and the Clippers? We still don't know the status of Kawhi Leonard, which is another reason why this is a difficult game uh, to predict. Clippers, eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Minnesota has been very helter-skelter. Anthony Edwards has been, I'll throw the word out there, fun to watch, and he's getting some points. But Minnesota's just not a very good basketball team. And they're also without Carl Anthony Towns, which is a big problem, who's dealing with a wrist issue right now that kept him out of the game against the Lakers. And that was a game that the Lakers won by 36 points and probably could have been more if they really needed it to be. 
Here's the deal with the Clippers. Last night, Kawhi's sister put on her Instagram story that Kawhi is feeling better and is excited to play tomorrow. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not. But I'd lay eight and a half whether Kawhi's out there anyway. The Clippers coming off a 51-point loss in this building. I mean, they have to have some type of respect for themselves, Keith, don't they? You would think so. All right, so tell our viewers and our listeners out there, what goes through your mind with that, though? So, like, from a gambling standpoint, if you're betting on this, is there a part of you that goes, all right, they they just lost by 51 points, they're down by 50 at half, maybe they're just not that good if Kawhi's not planning? Let's go into the assumption. Let's do this. Let's assume Mm -hmm. Kawhi doesn't. And it's not fair for us to assume this, but at 8.46 in the morning, I'm going to do this. If he doesn't, is there a part of you that says, all right, this team just isn't good and they can lose to anybody? Or is it more about the second part, the one that you just mentioned, where there's got to be the pride and Paul George and some of these other guys like like Lou Williams and Batum, whatever, that they'll all step up and say, all right, that stunk. We're not doing that again. So from a gambling mm-hmm. standpoint, how do you I think you have to view this Clippers team and that performance because really this was all done in the first half. They lost the first half of a of a game by 50 points. That's unimaginable. It's hard to beat. It's next to impossible to beat a team by 50 over a course of 48. They got beat by 50 over the course of 24. I mean, just simple math here, Keith. They were on pace to lose a game by 100 points. That that's just it's a it's a game they can't be that bad without Kawhi. Almost how I view it. A night where they made nothing and the Mavericks that from last year broke the offensive rating record had their offense flowing and things just kept snowballing. But the Clippers are a team with talent. I look at the starting five for that game against the Mavericks. Paul George, Pat Bev, Nick Batum, Serge Ibaka, Luke Kennard. That, for me, is not a starting five that I look at and say, oh, that's trash. Wow, Kawhi is covering up a lot of warts. Obviously, they want Kawhi, one of the three to five best players in the world. But this Clippers starting five, if we compare it to the group that is going to be sent out there by the Timberwolves, I still don't think matches up and I think the Clippers and and that's the one thing I think Keith at the NBA I think more often than any other sport you're trying to cap a team's mental state all right so we got a couple of minutes left in this segment and Kevin I want to apologize to, to you to the world we have gone an hour and 49 minutes and we haven't spoken about the the marquee game of the night it's the Knicks mm. And the Cavaliers, Cavaliers undefeated. They're coming up with nicknames now for Sexton and Garland. Like some of them I'm not even going to say on the air right now. And then the New York Knicks just rock them, sock them, Milwaukee Bucks. Best game of the night. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I haven't seen And, and uh, I like to have to win. I'm not, I'm not sure they cover, but I like to have to win. The thing is, last year, the Cavs were horrible as home favorites. They lost every time, and they certainly never covered. And is this year different, though? I mean, they're 3-0. and I don't know if it's different. Maybe it's different. I will not take a side here. No way, no how. It's, it's the Knicks and the Cavs. 
I got a Knicks team that just put up 130 on Milwaukee. I got a Cavs team that is somehow unbeaten, which is just, it is what it is. But I will say, this over-under it is 216.5. And, and I don't know if they're taunting me here, and maybe I'm walking headfirst into a trap. Maybe I am. But I got to think that this game feels safer to play to the over when I just watched the Knicks put up 130 on Milwaukee and a Cavs team that seems to be not that bad offensively. Yeah, and I got to assume that R.J. Barrett's not going to have another nightmare shooting performance like he had the other night. Uh, if that, if, if Rand, Julian Randle is, is playing like this, this Knicks team can score points. Uh, I'm still, you know, hoping OB comes back and, and is healthy and quickly comes back and is healthy. Uh, you're probably right. This is probably not the smartest game to play. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love the New York Knicks. They they just continue to pull up my 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 heart cords. Warriors and the Pistons. We actually had Dirk Rose on that six-man-of-the-year award list, uh, as a potential candidate there. The Warriors, we've talked ad nauseum about what Steph Curry can do. I like a lot of the props on James Wiseman. I think he's just going to continue to put up some numbers for them. Uh, value in this game, where do you see it? You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say good things about Wiseman because I got a ticket on him to win Rookie of the Year, and I'm hoping that that, that, that will go well for us. Now, the Pistons are 0-3, and at some point, everybody's going to win a game. We got 72 of these things. The Warriors went to Chicago. They won on a Damian Lee game-winning three. The, the Bulls are horrible. The Pistons yesterday didn't play Blake Griffin or Derrick Rose on the front end of a back-to-back as they put up 120 in a loss to the Atlanta Hawks. Boy, I hate this game. But boy, do I think the Pistons getting three and a half is the right way to play it. Oh, I hate this game, though. I really do. It's one of my favorite lo- I hate this game. That might have been my favorite line. <laughs> of- that was awesome. Magic and the Thunder. So got a buddy of mine that I work with over at CBS, diehard Orlando Magic fan. Has always been. He was messing with us before the season. It was probably about two, three weeks ago saying, watch out. I'm telling you, watch out, Orlando. Watch out. Uh, mm-hmm. Early on, he's correct. Uh, and maybe we missed the boat on Vucevic as, as MVP. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but Orlando and OKC. Give me a little value in this one. This is yesterday. We talked a little bit about the Thunder and the Jazz, and the Thunder went home getting eight and a half points. They lose the game by one. The Oklahoma City Thunder last year were an ATM machine against the number. They just were. And they're 2 0 to start the year against the number. I think the best way to play it, Keith, first 15 games of the year, you've had to Thunder every single game against the spread. Just see what the results are. See what, see what you get the first 15 games of the year. Maybe it doesn't work, right? But last year it worked incredibly. And it's a it's a different roster. It's a different coach. But sometimes these things have a weird way of working out. They're 2-0 to start. They're getting five points here to an unbeaten Magic team. Maybe it works again. End game on the slate. We're fired up about the NBA. Keith Kevin along with you. When we get back, I guess we can call the hot stove because he's heating up in
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Winding things down on the early line, Keith and Kevin with you. How about these Padres, your Padres, my Padres, our Padres? <laughs> Padres want you to take note, and it looks like they are finalizing a deal to bring in you, Darvish. Uh, Going to bring over his catcher as well in uh, uh, Victor Caratini. Listen, I don't think Darvish is a, a world beater here, but he adds to that that rotation paddock and 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 Snell and Lament. And obviously they, they wish Clever was healthy, but the Padres are clearly they were relevant already last and, and now they're gonna be they're gonna be live as a team that people are gonna be saying, Hey, maybe they could be this year's team. I hope everybody apologizes to Manny Machado. Remember when Manny chose to go to San, chose to go to San Diego? Oh, this guy doesn't care about winning. And he left the Dodgers. He'll never win it. Wait a second now. And at the time, you knew that was an overreaction because the Padres had the best farm system in all of baseball when he made that move. And Tatis comes up, and they've been aggressive in the trade market. And I love the way the Padres have done this year. Tatis looks like a star. Machado had a top three MVP finish for them last year. They're adding piece after piece after piece to this rotation. And most importantly, Keith, because you mentioned Clevenger. How about that just from a mindset from these guys? To go out last year, add him. Basically, it doesn't work out because he gets hurt. And it doesn't scare them one bit from adding both Blake Snell and you Darvish over the last 48 hours. I love what San Diego's doing here. Scared money don't make money, right? Like if you're the Padres and you've got all of these assets and you mentioned the farm system, I and mean, what are they trading away? They're trading away, I think it's two 18-year-olds, a 19-year-old, and a 20-year-old that maybe one of them pans out. And listen, maybe maybe they, they, they traded away Mike Trout. I think they did and i think if you're the padres right now you're going Let, let's strike i've got youth i've got stars and let's see what we can do yeah and they, i mean they did all this and as long as tatis is still on the team and you didn't trade out tatis good enough Dang. all right that'll do it for us another early line for kevin and everyone for us i am keeper and back at it tomorrow. 